following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Welcome to Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both a player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Chris Holmes. How you doing, homie? Oh, I'm doing great, man. My uh, my Vikings won today. I always have to tell everybody that, that they won. <laughs> Haven't been able to do that for the last few weeks, but still. Um, went and saw the movie um, Mortal Engines. Yeah, so which did is I. basically our. It's kind of it's our setting, man. We could drop that in our setting, or vice versa. But yeah. really, what I'm really excited about is who we got on tonight, Mr. Eric uh, No Sleeves McGee Lamaru. Sup, dude? You muted, stupid. I'm still muted. Oh, no, you you sound good. <laughs> <laughs> there, well, there. All right. what, what an entrance yes. <laughs> that's the best the entrance that's awesome <laughs> thanks for having me guys no good problem. to hang out with you yeah man so yeah. i asked this of everybody um what you what how did you start your role playing what did you start with uh well for me it was the yeah, for me, it was the uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books. I started with that, and in in Canada, uh, translated in French, because I played in French back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same company that uh, published those books also published the uh, Dark Eye R- RPG, which is a German RPG that just recently got uh, translated to English. But I... I uh, borrowed that book from the library thinking it was Choose Your Own Adventure book, but it was actually an RPG. Then I'm trying to play the game by myself, and I don't get the whole GM reference and <laughs> what's going on. How am I supposed to play that <laughs> and game? And it's in German. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, a, I had one of my cousin who, I mean, he was my best friend for until we were all grown up. Uh, he used to, well, he played uh, D&D back then, so he knew what that was. So we started playing that game. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll show you. We'll play. And we mostly played one-on-one or some, sometimes with my my brother. And then, you know, we moved on to uh, Warhammer a couple years later. Oh, his his mom got him Warhammer first edition. We played that for years, too. And then uh, it was Rollmaster. That's the first game uh, I bought. And we played that for years too, uh, late '80s, '90s, all the way to, you know, all the the storyteller system back in the '90s. That that was pretty big, all cool. vampire, werewolf, and all that. So, oh. yeah, I did. I mean, I was just on the show, and the guy asked me the same question, and I'm like, "Are you gonna be disappointed if I say I didn't start with the red box? Because that's the answer everybody <laughs> comes up with, right?" That's and mine. No. That was what I started on too. But dude, it's yeah, nice, nice to hear that. Now, see, I, I started on Oriental Adventures, so 
Well, that's I don't even know what that is. So <laughs> that was like that was first edition AD and D right there, Tony. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what we started with. Then we cool. we realized we were like starting in the middle. I had to start over, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's funny. Depending on where you are in the world, it's it's different. I mean, we got we had Manuel on the show, and for him in Germany, it was all Shadowrun and the Dark Eye. That that's those are the two games. Oh, that, interesting. Yeah, that's what they play over there. D and D isn't as popular. D and D is the right. U.S. all the way. You know, then right. you go to the U.K. It's Warhammer. So it all depends. Cool. You go down to Australia, and they were just stepping out in their backyard trying not to die. That's right. They were, <laughs> they were LARPing over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, great having you on, finally. It's been, it's, so, so, listeners, good. I want to put a dis, uh, disclaimer out there right away. This is gonna, not going to be a generally genesis content show generally mm-hmm. we try to do a lot of genesis content we're going to have a lot because eric is more of a savage worlds guru but what we brought him on for and today's show and episode name is the con job mm-hmm. with uh, no sleeves mcgee we're going to discuss creating a convention game or one shot and we're going to cover how that's done a little bit in genesis but mainly in general. overall yeah. in arc Yes. Yeah, and I think Eric, Eric that will applies in. to everybody. Yeah, it does. that applies to every game. I think so. Yeah, yeah, and Eric will probably. Be, I mean, we'll be making references to Savage Worlds more than likely. Um, mm-hmm. Well, definitely, that's a guarantee. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we'll keep, try and keep it as generic as possible. We will have our uh, um, advantageous threats. That'll be mo- that'll be you know Genesis heavy, but for the rest, of it, it'll be a little more generic, creating adventures, which I think any GM. Would be able to get, you know, good information out of this. So, stick around. We hope. <laughs> All right. So, what we got for news, buddy? We don't have anything. Damn you, what? FFG. Oh, by the <laughs> way, went there Friday. There was a um, water main broke. <laughs> went there to quote unquote work from there because it's what I do. Um, they didn't have food, so man, I had to go down the street to the source. But that's okay. But the only other, so the only other news that I have was um, really not news, just basically a quick little report. I know last time I said I was going to go down and and join this uh, Legends of the Galaxy game, which is a community-run Star Wars game. Now, granted, it's not Genesis, but it is the narrative dice system, so it was pretty fun. Nick ran a great game, played with Eric, Spencer, Noah, and Matthew, um there thanks guys for a great time a few of them i think we're listening i think eric and spencer listened to the show and they were like hey you're do you do something on the internet and i'm like yeah i have this podcast they're like wow that's a good one so um so yeah if anybody if anybody's interested in running star wars the ffg star wars game go out onto the legends of the galaxy site start a game in your area because he's wants to nick wants to create this you know to i think there are people in australia germany um, in Texas, you know, they're doing it kind of like a living campaign. Yeah. Kind of a living campaign kind of thing. Um, but it's good. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So that's all the news. Okay. Oh, I did well, see the, some- um, I did see the legends of the five rings, um, Emerald empire book at the source too. So oh, beautiful book. Damn. Mm. But that's something else. Completely. Yeah. That's something entirely on. different. Something all right. completely different. So we have some listener feedback select for today's episode. 
Uh, we'll start with uh, my good friend Dale. <laughs> Dale Fisher, one of my grognards. He says, okay, damn it. I thought of a setting you guys should run, could run, in Genesis. Spaceballs! I would play the fuck out of that. <laughs> the game would be three type three types of humans to play. Your standard human, like you find her anywhere in the Ford galaxy. The Druidians and the Spaceballs. Other races would be a droid, a mog, and of course, dinks. That's all I've got so far. Have at it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Dale, you have to do this. You have to do it yourself. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, no, it sounds like a great fun one-shot. That's kind of why I brought it on to today's, because uh, you could do totally set up a, a new Spaceballs adventure of your own, mm-hmm. um, mimicking some of the fun from the movie, um, you know, getting up to ludicrous speed, shit like that. You could have a ball with it, and you could do it as a one-shot, and it would be hilarious. A lot of a lot of gamers would love it. You could have a Spaceball with it. If you want. Yeah. Bump, bump, bump. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> Anything to add there, Eric? <laughs> No, I mean, that, that does sound like a good uh, con game there. So it's yeah. on top. You could do it in any setting or any system, too. You could do it in Savage Worlds. You could do it in. Oh, yeah. In, uh, easily. Totally. You just need maybe the sci fi companion and the core book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, second piece I have here is from Samuel Barrett over on our YouTube channel. He put a comment, said, uh, Hey, guys, thank you so much for the video. I always appreciate your humor and creative flair for making Genesis content. Dude, we have humor on the show? I don't. I don't uh, know. I don't try. I'm not funny. But <laughs> Too expensive. <laughs> Too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it says, love your setting. I can't wait to see what else you come up with. If I had any suggestion, I would. it would be the Fire Amalgam's ability. Now, this is feedback from our last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea, but when I picture an enraged fire elemental, I imagine waves of angry heat pouring off of it and making it a hazardous, uh, serious hazard to all nearby. In game terms, I think something like once per session for the duration of the scene slash encounter, you spend two to three advantage on a melee check or two to three adva- uh, three threat of an engaged enemy's melee check to inflict burn equal to your presence rating to an engaged opponent. There are a bunch of ways you could go with it, like maybe giving a couple of boost dice on coercion checks in non-combat situations to offset the ability's inherent handicap in a social or intrigue environment. Uh, Just a thought. Anyways, sorry for the long post. Hope you like it. Thanks again for everything. I can't wait for the next episode. Um, peace, and Sam, and then he says, T- "TLDR is Genesis rocks, and so do you." <laughs> awesome, yeah. So I, I, I'm not the the master like you guys are, but uh, what he's talking about here could could it just be a cue for well, a narrative cue for when someone rolls a despair or a threat trying to attack that creature and then you turn around and you say hey you just caught on fire <laughs> yeah absolutely that's what yes yeah yes it could be an, it could be anytime someone rolls an uh an against fire a uh, fire amalgam now fire amalgams in our game are uh, a player race so we were designing the player races in our last show we were designing those player races abilities and um we kind of had it to where they could wreath a weapon in flames and that was what we originally put but after getting Sam's email or Sam's message, 
we kind of dinked with it a little bit, retooled it, ended up calling it Fiery Countenance. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has many of the same qualities that Sam gave it, except for I took away the ability um, that make it just on a melee check. It's any check on uh, that the player makes while they have this activated during an encounter. Uh, they they may spend two advantage or two threat from an en- enemy's roll to inflict burn on someone at engaged range. Yeah, so set them on fire, basically. Yeah. So it's not just a melee check. They could just be doing a social check. They could be doing a um, um, uh, a magic uh, spell, an athletics they, check. You know, they, maybe or something. Yeah. And if right. and and they can spend advantage from that to uh, inflict burn upon people at engaged range. Yeah. So, thank you, yeah. Sam. Yeah. Thanks, man. That was great. Great suggestion. Like now, as far as our our little feedback that we put in there that we wanted from our our fans about uh, races that they wanted to add to Primordial Machina. So far, we have one. Mm-hmm. We have received the Pierced Cyclops <laughs> from Stephen Dragon Spawn. <laughs> yes, it's a great and, race. Uh, it was fun during yeah. during my play test that I ran last weekend of it. Um, of the game, Chris made a fire amalgam with his new ability. Yes, thank you, Sam. Um, Appreciate it. I burned some shit. Awesome. Yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> my friend, my was kind of a mix of uh, Nerds International folks and uh, my Grognards. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Dale, he made a uh, clockwork, um, clockwork yeah. mech pilot, which is kind of cool. Yep. Uh, and then Jen, uh, she made a human intellectual archetype uh, artificer mm-hmm. uh, and she had a lot of fun with that a weird scientist basically mm-hmm. yep. yep she's got her big weird science gun that she absolutely loves that was so cool. and then um, we had uh, Stefan Dragonspawn decided he wanted to join us so we let him play his pierced cyclops <laughs> yep it was pretty cool so, so yeah, he made a pierced cyclops templar um, yeah. which of the order that I had created, um, the Templar of, I can't remember the name of it, the syn- the triad of synchrony. There you go. Uh, anyhow, okay. uh, it came out pretty well. We had a good play test. We, uh, we kind of explored a little bit of one city and kind of got mm-hmm. into some, um, steampunky, um, well, I had this idea of a rope city. Uh, built inside of a crater and everything. Yeah, it was. It, it really kind of came out well with, mm-hmm. uh, I think, the way it play tested out and had that feel. Dale said it scratched his cyberpunk itch a little bit. Yeah, that was cool. And the picture, what I pictured when you were describing that that um, that rope city, I just saw it in that friggin' Mortal Engines movie, man. In that, in the um, the floating, basically floating rope city where all the where all the um, uh, aircraft just kind of connected up to it i'm like what the heck that's exactly kind of how i pictured it or pretty close to what you described so it was pretty sweet that was pretty sweet so yeah we had fun with it yeah man so shall shall we move on let's move on
All right, welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where my good buddy Chris here goes out into the interwebs, the vast wilderness of the wild, wild web, and yes. finds something interesting for us. Now, you didn't have to go far this time, buddy, did you? Oh, no, I did not have to, cocksuckers. I had to go to drive through RPG, basically. Actually, I had to go to my computer because I had already downloaded this a while ago. Um... There is something called Wise Guys. It's a setting that Mr. Lamaru here has created. Um, it, and there was this demo kit they put out for Savage Worlds. It is basically an alternate 19, Las Vegas 1990s. There's an mm-hmm. anecdote, setting rules. He's got an adventure in there, edges and hindrances that, he's at, that they've added, some pregens, 53 pages of awesome. And um, got the creator on the show for this. And just had to t- let you know that it's top-notch, man. It was really well done. Yeah, that, that was a uh, basically a playtest document because yep. that, that, was, that was me trying to reach out to people to try it and give me some feedback so we can make it better. And so we went all out, 53 pages free for... You know, a demo. It's 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 big, but there's there's a lot of fluff material in there. So, yep. you know, yeah. Since we're not on the Savage Rules podcast, it's it's basically me doing like one year of research and putting some of that in like a, almost twenty some pages of fluff that can be used, yeah. you know, for anybody basically. Because you know, we're talking about a mob setting here and I, I when i started on this i'm like why isn't there more mob settings because most people love these movies right goodfellas mm-hmm. casino they, they're awesome movies and when you think about it or well maybe it's just me but from all my <laughs> decades of experience playing every time you play D D or whatever you end up in a tavern and then someone you know, just starts having an attitude with you. And what do you do? You, you, do you fold? No, you, you dish it right back. And usually you end up beating the crap out of that guy because he looked at you the wrong way or he said something he shouldn't have. So I'm like, when I play, we all play like gangsters. We're supposed to be heroes, <laughs> might have a sword. We might be slinging spells, but we all play gangsters, really. So I'm like, this is perfect. Why not make a setting out of this, you know? So that that's how it started, basically. And that's then, awesome. yeah, like you said, yeah, we put that together and mm-hmm. – yeah, now it's a year later, uh, a year and a half later, almost. Oh, wow. wow, six months, six months from that. This was back in May that it was released. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Since then, I mean, it, it changed a lot, but without this, it, it wouldn't be what it is now. And yeah, I got to. You guys were the first we ones. Yep, that I got to uh, to run it uh, to for so uh, appreciate that. Uh, Tony rocked the uh, the the May guy there, uh, the guy that didn't like ice in his drinks, and Chris <laughs> was playing a, uh, a sports handicapper. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and he ran that that great interlude scene in in the elevator. And for those who don't know what an interlude is, it's basically just just a big narrative scene that the players take over instead of the GM telling 
you know, telling everybody what happened. It's the players that take control of the stories. And Chris, while being a Genesis and Star Wars GM, it comes naturally to him so he ran a great scene with some everybody was kung fu fighting on the and on the <laughs> elevator the music playing in the background and oh yeah that was were. awesome yeah man yeah so this is um so i mean it, the the little things you put in this like mob speak you know yeah, on a couple, I was looking at that. On, on a couple pages i mean that's great i mean i, I don't know it just kind of draws you into the setting a bit and um, the the challenge table in the adventure was like, I mean, it really makes this replayable for the most part. You know, you just can randomly roll, or or no, it's like you you draw a couple cards, I think, in the challenge table. And yeah, you know, that was for cool. a heist generator. So it's just yeah, a generator based on on the fly there. So it's just just a bunch of ideas to to make Great. it more fun. Yeah, there's a lot Thank of good you. stuff in here. Lots of good stuff, and I'll have we'll have the um, the link to it um, online um, in the um, on our uh, on our Podbean on the website. So yeah, check it out because it's gonna go off the the store uh, soon. We're gonna replace it with a, a new updated document uh, that's cool. gonna come out early next year. So now that it's free, uh, yeah, grab it. Yeah, have man. some fun. Convert it to Genesis. Run that. That's mm-hmm. it's very perfect. easy to do. You very. It's really all you need to do is capture the fluff, fluff of the setting. If you wanted to yeah. totally capture that, and you don't need anything other than the Genesis core book for something like this, uh, that you could do. Um, I was looking at possibly doing something like that for a one shot, um, and not necessarily taking this '90s Vegas thing, but taking more of like a '70s. Um, mm-hmm gang street fight and feel kind of to it so mm-hmm. and um yeah looks great i love it it uh beautiful trade dress in it i think you guys did a wonderful job catching the feel i love the poker chip um page numbers those right. are pretty cool and i hope when you do the final document it looks this pretty because i'll definitely definitely oh, I'll get in sh- on that kickstarter I'll show it to you guys. It, it looks uh, ten times better because we got Mister Carl Kiesler to do our trade dress. So, oh, <laughs> nice. All right. Carl, the king of beautiful. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, That's great, uh, yeah. looks awesome. Cool. Well, let's get on over into our main topic, shall we? Oh, wait! Whoa. Before we go, Chris, why don't you do the honors? Well, Eric, we just want to officially. Give you 50 pieces of awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure, we'll make sure <laughs> they show up in a Crown Royal bag. Yes, yeah. Crown Royal bag. That's right. Oh, yes. And by the way, um, the uh, chicken bones that Tony and I had mentioned about, um, yeah, this is the gentleman that spent six months eating fucking chicken bones. And um, I am actually going to put a picture up. Of them because they're freaking brilliant. <laughs> I rolled them. I'm like, all right, let's roll them. All right, let's figure it out. Well, you know, we got the the boost dies covering the setback die, so those cancel. But there's this die over off to the side. We gotta have like two successes and a try. It was a fun prank. Fun <laughs> prank. I loved it. All right, man. Well, let's just go on to the next section then. All right, everybody. We are back. We are going to be um, 
you don't necessarily you don't have to open up your books of Genesis tonight. Um, uh huh. No, no. Um, <laughs> what we're gonna talk talk to um, Eric about while we brought him on is writing and prepping an adventure for a uh, an adventure at a convention. So, yeah. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what what is a convention game for you guys? Is it just to run at a convention, or it's a bit more broad? Well, for me, it's this is more about wanting running a one shot for a group of strangers more than anything. You're yeah. that's that's what a convention game is. That's what you do when you go to a friendly local game store to run a game. Yeah. You're running a convention game. You're not doing a one shot for the friends that you've had for 25 years. Uh, not generally speaking. Um, mm-hmm. You're generally just going to sit down with a bunch of strangers and 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 try and basically mm-hmm. show them showcase what your game can do. Right. Who? Yeah. Exactly. They may or may for me. It's also they may or may not have played the game. The system may not have ever played a role playing game too. Um. So there are some challenges there too. Mm-hmm. When you think about yeah. it. Yeah, I I agree. I you? mean. I, yeah, it's basically. Uh, I think Tony nailed it. It could be at, uh, at your local game store or at a game day. Uh, I know over here they have like a game day at a church too. I'm not sure. I, I want to take my my uh, dirty mouth over there at the church, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it can be anything. But basically, yeah, for strangers, so you don't know who is going to sit at your table. Right. <laughs> you, that that changes a lot of things. Because usually you're gonna run for your buddies, and you know you know which uh, strings you can pull and all that. But now you can't do that for a con game. That's true. So the first yeah. thing mm-hmm. you want to know when you're doing one of these is what time frame you have. Yeah. How how long do you have to run it for? Most of the time, it's usually a three or four hour block. Yeah. Yeah. Over over here in the states, yeah, three or four hours. I hear in. in Italy, it's an hour or two hours. That's all they, they have. That's rough. Yeah, I don't think I could do a, a, a structured story in an hour, but um, no. you spend most of that time just teaching people how to role play the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, an hour, it would basically just be instruction and maybe a set of roles. A single encounter, that's single about encounter, it. single encounter, probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, I guess that would be like you guys remember when they did the when three point five did the dungeon delves, yeah, uh, where they came yeah. out with an entire book of you could do something like that where you just do one encounter in mm. one little tiny dungeon delve type thing. Yeah, because um, even even at Gen Con when I was there, well, that was still like seven or eight years ago. But mm-hmm. you have people you know trying to sell their books at their booth, and hey, you want to play a demo it's only going to take 20 minutes and they got everything set up they got their character sheets and you just run through you know just a little encounter there just to get you the feel for it but i think this episode is more like tony says you know three or four hours for you know where you can get a decent game out of it i think yeah right well you want to showcase what the what your what your game can do what you can do as a gm um you know you want visual presentation you want uh, and you want a story. You want something that's going to grab people and get them to sit at your table. Yeah, yeah, yep. I agree. Yeah. So, what's the first thing you do, Eric, when you sit down to think about an adventure? What What do you 
what do you what's the first thing you do for a con game well it turns out that i think it's the same thing as you because uh the, yeah i'm looking at the show notes here i just broke the fourth wall by the way uh <laughs> yeah. that's okay deadpool we're good um <laughs> uh, uh, I think that's something that people often forget are the the pregens because they're they're the most important part I think of of the con game. I've sat at a game where the GM hadn't thought of the about the pregens. He just had a stack of them and just handed it handed them out. And you know, it's like oh, Imagine, Chris, you, you sit down, uh, someone gives you a pilot archetype, and the whole game is inside a dungeon. Um, you're not going to have fun, right? <laughs> no, probably not. I probably wouldn't. Yeah, that would kind of suck. You'll, you'll, you'll make the best out of it, but you're oh, going to yeah. leave the game and be like, eh, I'm not okay. sure about this game. Now, you know? if he was a quick draw pilot, that could help, right? You know? Yep. Yeah. But, um, Unless there's a um, unless there's a mining cart that I could pilot <laughs> through the under underground dungeon, then no, probably probably not those abilities. So yeah, it's like on your character sheet, you've got this this whole ship all statted out, and there's even a portrait of the the ship, and then you never get to play with it. So it's exactly. it's kind of lame. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that would totally blow. Yeah, no, the the, the key is to make memorable pregens. With interwoven backgrounds. Now, that's one thing that I know that uh, you've done in your... I was looking at your playtest uh, just a few minutes ago. And you've got several of these uh, characters with kind of almost like interwoven backgrounds where they kind of know each other and yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. I know when I did my uh, Vanguard Squadron, that was one of the things... I came, when I came up with the backstories for all the characters, each character has at least one other character that they have a bond with. Whether that's yep. a, I don't like you bond, or whether it's a, a, this is my, you know, in the case of like the, the comtech and the commander of the crew, mm-hmm. they're they have a father daughter relationship. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, you did that with the um, the backgrounds you wrote for the uh, um, Middle Earth game we ran too. I yes, with them a couple of them, you know, knew each other or whatever, had some backgrounds and and had met, and that I think I think that's important because you immediately now the people sitting at the table they can kind of connect with the other players through the through the exactly. through, through their pregens in a way. Yeah, so. you you don't have a whole campaign to you know uh, develop. Uh, Correct relationships with the other players and characters at the table. Mm-hmm. It has to. Right be right there from the start and these backgrounds don't have to be like five pages long because i wouldn't read it if i was in a con game i read backgrounds when my players write those long ones to me for sure but you know a paragraph or two you know would be fine (laughs) i just said liar i read the ones from my players actually i do I do. <laughs> I'm sad that oh, way. Man. I'm sad that if way. It can't, it, I, I heard someone <laughs> say if a, a character background can't can't fit on a tweet, it's too long. <laughs> a tweet. That's interesting. That's short. Uh, t- <laughs> that's only a hundred what hundred forty two characters or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that ain't right. So here's uh, so I, I threw I threw a little something in here in our notes about um conflicts of interest now. Running a heist game, 
or something along those lines, like through wise guys, right? You may have somebody with backgrounds that may have PCs that may have conflicting motivations. Would you put that in there? Would that make for an interesting game? You think, or yeah, is that more yeah, like actually. I wrote, I wrote, forget about it. Uh, that was a couple years earlier, <laughs> uh, before Wise Guys. And what I did is, on on separate cards, the uh, players had secrets. So there, the, there was things going on between each character. One guy, while his daughter is married to one of the Wise Guys, and that guy is beating her, and. Uh, you know, which is kind of common for wise guys. I mean, it's not nice, but <laughs> no, that's the no. kind of thing, thing that happens. And then another thing is that you can't sleep with another man's wife in there. And another wise guy had, had slept with that guy's wife. So they they all get these secrets. It's great potential for conflict. And then okay. you let the game play and then you try to get them to open up on these and get into conflict, some kind of PVP type of thing. And <clears throat> I mean, when I ran, I ran it a bunch of times and nobody took debate really. Cause everybody oh, wants to sit at the table and just be, you know, we're going to get along because we want to have fun playing this. But then a couple times at the end, when they were done with the mission, they had to do then everything just exploded and they're like okay now we're done doing what we had to do now i got a score to settle with you and then it went pvp <laughs> and nice. a bunch of people played it too and that's what they told me it always goes downhill at the end and it should be it's it's about gangsters that's what they do so awesome. uh, <laughs> just just a little tip like that just write a little secret on the index card or just a card and <laughs> an index card. Oh, you hear that, Gary? We're talking index <laughs> cards, baby. No, we're and not. give it to to that player whose character cool. is you know, and see what happens. You never know, especially for a con game. You, you don't know who you're gonna sit with at the table, and some mm -hmm. of them might enjoy that. But you have to watch out because that's that's one thing you don't want at the table is players actually fighting <laughs> each other. You know, <laughs> the characters yeah. is all right, but the players eh, not so much. No, you don't right? so, no, that yeah, we just go back good. to high school there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. so yeah, no, and in, put this in a Genesis light. We want to, the one way that you can um, interweave the characters and their backgrounds is through their motivations, yep. um, their, their flaws and their fears, their desires and their strengths. You're going to roll those things, or you're going to, in my case, whenever I do pre-gens for Genesis game, I always choose them and make sure that they're, you know, intertwined. Yeah. Yep. Uh, for particularly my Deep Madness game, there was uh, one of the characters, the one who is uh, it's most likely to happen to, is afraid of drowning. <laughs> uh, so I mean, as the as the sub or the scuba uh, guy, <laughs> the guy who's going to actually go out and the, he's afraid of drowning. It's his biggest fear. <laughs> <laughs> so and it's but that game is about fear. So yeah, it's gonna happen, right? Yeah. So do you make the pregens first and then build your story around them, or you make you build your story, 
your adventure, your scenario, and then, or as you build it, you make characters that you, like you, you said, you just, there's a scene where there's a scuba guy, or maybe they have to go underwater. Do you think, oh, maybe I should, one of the pregens should have a fear of water, you know? The answer is yes. It's created organically as the yeah. term. Uh, I, I will get it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple shows ago, I kept using the word ergonomically. And Chris is like, no, that's not what you mean. <laughs> they're, they're created organically. They just kind of happen. It, I start with a general story idea of what I want to do. You know, yeah. I want to do this, but I want to I want to twist it on its ear. You know, my example, I'll use an example of my Vanguard Squadron uh, game that I did for this year's Con on the Cob. I wanted to do something that ran concurrent with uh, episode five, uh, the, the battle of Hoth, something that ran alongside of that, uh, that kind of told the story of people in the background of that. And so I already have the Vanguard squadron pregens. They exist from, mm-hmm. from something else. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to do anything for that, but if I was going to create new ones for that, they would have been created organically with the story as I was going, well, I need a pregen that's mm-hmm. going to be able to, you know, you've you got to, for instance, you got to in your heist game, you've got a safe that needs to be opened up. You got to have a safe cracker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. You know? yes. yeah. So whether whether you have that character already generated, or whether you do it and or add it to an existing character, you still have to add that mm-hmm. skill in there so that every, every for every problem there is a solution in the game. Yeah. It's, it's about giving those characters their 15 minutes of fame within yeah. the adventure so they can shine and say, Hey, I was useful. They, they needed me for that. And it's one of the advantages of <clears throat> while a, a con game like that is usually in a campaign, you end up with whatever characters your players make and you have to try to put that together. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work all that well. But with a con game, by creating your own pregens, you know that you're at least on the right track, I think. Right. That's yeah, why I like it. Yeah, there's a time yep. time and a place to showcase each character if you can. And you should be able to in that three or four hour time time frame, you would think, you would hope. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's mm-hmm. get into that story that we're going to create. Um, I've got a little, like, the three acts we talk about mm-hmm. creating a story uh, most of your movies most of your even your TV shows um, have three acts you have the opening act which is where you lay down the background um, uh, the it's kind of your opening premise your middle on uh, middle act is where all the conflict occurs um, if I if I'm wrong here tell me I'm wrong um, you guys uh, and then your third act is where you kind of wrap it all up. Um, all your conflicts come to to an end, or either some are left unresolved. That's a great way to you know to leave it. But your main conflict comes to an end uh, in the third act. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how you structure wise <laughs> to make a campaign or make a one shot. That's a great way to do it. Uh, is to have like. You know, like for instance, you know, premise. I go back to ones that I've written in the past. The D and D adventure I wrote for you guys uh, for Con the Cob One uh, mm-hmm. that we went to. Uh, it started out with uh, the group coming into an inn, and and they meet the protagonists. 
of the adventure or the, the and the antagonists of the adventure um that you meet the the kobold the charismatic kobold you meet the princess you meet you know all the dwarves and 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 you have this kind of big party at the beginning of it all mm-hmm. and that just is an introduction to the setting and to the to the major players you kind of draw them in so that's what you're saying there the, that beginning yep. should should kind of draw those draw those players in how they're how they're um PCs are kind of interacting with the world in a way, kind of have get, a good feel. Gets their buy-in. I, now, I, and I yeah. actually, I actually kind of have a note here. It's I started actually in media res, um, yep. which I don't. I'm, I'm horrible with Latin. I'm not sure what that, you know, where that term came from. But what it means is in the middle of it, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the of the fray, in the middle of a fight. I started out with in that campaign. I started it every time I've started that that one shot. I started with a uh, the wargs attacking on the pass mm. and basically giving the players a sense of urgency to move forward uh, to get to the inn to where they're safe. Um, uh, that's how I normally start it. And, but anyhow, uh, back into it. Then we go into the second act, which is where the conflict begins. It's uh, the king, his relationship to his daughter and, and, and how she was, "Quote unquote kidnapped by the cobalt, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. and she go, and then the boyfriend and all that, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then of course, then there's the resolution at the end. How do you resolve everything at the very end of it all? Is right. it is it a big battle with the king and his men? Is it a big battle with the cobalt? Is mm-hmm. it you know what and th- so on and so forth? But anyhow, not to reveal anything more from that adventure because I may run right. it again for NivCon or mm-hmm. something like that. Cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of the three mm-hmm. three acts. And do you have anything to add to that, Eric? No, that's basically how I, I think it. Uh, then I split it up into scenes. I, I usually go for usually about five scenes. You you know, for four hours, three or four hours. You don't have time for much more than that. Uh, granted, some scenes might only be five minutes, but. You know, and you have to leave some in the back, back pocket too. Optional if it's running too fast or if it's running too slow, you have to have scenes that you could just cut <laughs> there because they're not that important and you need to move things along. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, it's it usually ends up with I usually end up with three to five different scenes. Now those usually will be I usually don't go more than four. Uh, encounters, whether those be a social combat, whether they be an, an elaborate social encounter, whether those be a, a, a combat encounter, a chase scene, we won't do more than four of those in a four-hour block, because it's usually going to take about an hour to resolve each one of those. Um, Depends on the players you got, too. That's the thing. That's another question i would ask you guys i mean uh, i'm i've sat in some of you guys game and seen you guys run and you guys pretty much same as me i mean you you'll go up to six players easy and i've seen you guys have seven or even eight mm-hmm. so but well what's your ideal number for for a con game i don't Three know to if six. i would yeah i don't know if I, I don't think i could do any more than six um because as a player i know even with the best GMs, even with even with Tony Tony running at the other um, at Con and a Cobb when we had, would you have seven or eight? At eight, 
kept it kept it rolling pretty fast. Um, but that's a rare a rare thing. And I want everybody to have a chance, you know, to kind of get to to have something that they do. Yeah, your magic number is like three to five, with the maximum being six. I think so. Yeah. And you just have to account for that for, you know, how long this is going to run because, you know, running an adventure that you know you can run in three hours for four players. If you get six, it's it's going to run longer. Yeah, so. yeah you're going to have to cut things from it. it. And that's one thing Chris and I, um, when we did our our Middle Earth game, a good example, we divided that up because uh, we were we were both playing and both GMing, so we divided that up into one-hour blocks. Um, yeah. I get an hour, he gets an hour, I get an hour, he gets an hour, mm-hmm. and then in my first hour, I had some optional stuff I could throw in if it went short, mm-hmm. uh, if we had didn't have enough players. And likewise, for my third or in the third hour, I had a couple extra things that I could throw in to lengthen it if needed, but mainly just keeping it to an hour. If we had, you know, I planned for the larger number of players and then things I could cut out right? Uh, or things I could add in. It, sorry, I planned for the smaller number of players and had things I could add in. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you know the experience, you know, when your players are sitting down now, now at, that, at our con game that we ran, we kind of knew everybody's experience level once they sit down, right? But you right. won't know whether people are experienced or not experienced. And getting that information up front whether during the whether there's a sign up sheet for it or not, or but definitely before you start running, getting that information will then start your mind thinking. Okay, half the ta- half the half the table hasn't played. Half the table have. Maybe we can inter- intersperse the people to kind of help each other out, and then already know. All right, I'm probably gonna have to cut here. Probably gonna have to cut here. Just thinking, you know, if you don't have. Yeah. You know, real experienced players, it'll definitely go longer because you want these. You want to be able to teach people yeah, coming into yourself, the game. Yeah, allot yourself like fifteen to twenty minutes at the beginning of the session to just. I'd say so. either whether it's whether it's uh, covering the the game itself or whether it's teaching the game to new players or moving people around the table, things like that. Allow yourself that amount of time. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Well, that, that's something important that Chris mentioned, and that maybe that should have been at the top. But when you're you run um, run a convention game, I think it's really important to advertise your game the right way. It's about setting expectations. I've sat at a game. Uh, I, I signed up for a game thinking it was a Savage Worlds game, and the GM didn't use any of the rules in Savage Worlds, and. You know, he, he's a great GM, and it was kind of fun, but it, it wasn't what I was expecting. It's just like if you guys say you're going to run, you know, Star Wars, uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars, and you're running D6 Star Wars instead, it's still Star Wars, but it's not what that person signed up for. Right. And it, it, you, you also, you, how long are you going to run that game, especially at a, con- a convention? Because people have a busy schedule. If they sign up for your game, that means that, you know, if it ends at 3 o'clock, that means they might have a game at 3.15 somewhere else. They need to go there. You you can't run over. That's not fair to ask people to say that. Number of players, if it's a mature theme in your game. Yep. Uh, I know the sign up at Call on the Cob ask you, you know, age range if it's going to be mature 
all that stuff because people bring their kids over to play games too. And if they sit at your game and everybody's cursing or it's about raping and pillaging uh, villages, um, which is cool if that's what you want to do, but make it up front so that people <laughs> yeah. that don't want to do that don't sign up for your game, you know? Right. right. Always have your boilerplate at the top where you're going to talk about that, your expectations. You know, I always say, you know, players, we're not going to be opening books during this session. We're going to, there's going to be rules calls. I'm going to make them on the fly. We'll, we're just going to err on the side of making it fun. Uh, and that's, and that's the key is to, you know, boilerplate that out, get it out in the open right mm-hmm. in the beginning and have, make sure you have your expectations and the player's expectations on the table right from the start. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. So, so we've gone into some encounters. Yeah. Unique and memorable encounters up. too. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. another thing. Unique mm-hmm. encounters. I, I hear about, you know, when you hear about, um, having your your con games you don't hear about oh we had another fight in a bar yeah you don't hear about oh we had another uh car chase uh in uh where we were trying to run from the cops that's not the kind of shopping for weapons (laughs) we went shopping for for weapons (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we had to get some oats for our for our horses we had in all the years that i I played. I've gone to cons and I've played at con games. The ones that are least memorable to me are the ones that are always the same. Where you go into a dungeon and you do a dungeon crawl and you walk out with treasure at the end. I've done those. Those I don't remember very well, but I remember vividly this going into this pyramid to try and find the book of the Necronomicon from two years ago from your primeval fool, Chris, that you ran. I'm um, glad you did because that was. I'm glad. That was pretty cool. That, that was a game. memorable scene. Thanks, that scene drew us in mm-hmm. with going into that pyramid with the the whole, like, the pygmies in the jungle. It drew from the mummy, too. Um, it drew that image. Right. You know. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to stop you there for a moment because that stuff came in because I ran a play test for my grognard group here. And my daughter. My daughter actually joined them. And... We played through it, and I gave, and I had about a half an hour at the very end going, okay, hit me with it. What I do wrong, what can I improve? What can we improve? And one of the one of the suggestions was, you know what? If you have the whole freaking jungle come alive, undead, and just basically come alive like they're being forced into this pyramid, that'd be awesome. So I think... Drew and all Drew, Eric and Kyle and and my daughter Alexi for all that and for all that and Clarence for all that feedback that they gave. So play test these adventures, and your encounters will be come remember you'll your encounters will be memorable because you get the feedback from your players. That'll be good. How you can improve it. So yeah, that was sweet. Good times. Yeah, I like the uh, the casino floor. Uh, and the and then the hotel rooms from yours, Eric's, from your uh, first wise guys. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the whole where we ended up up in the hotel room, and uh, mm-hmm. that was pretty. Me- that again was a memorable scene, not mm-hmm. necessarily because of it was different from any other mob movie, but it, because it was so iconic for being in a mob movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. see that casino scene, you see that hotel room scene, and you've yep. got this vision in your head. 
as soon as you laid the, you know, this is the casino and you guys, I've got this vision in my head. Everybody knows where to go. Everybody knows what to do. So use classic tropes Mm -hmm. well and subvert others, I think, is a is a key to that making things memorable. Yeah. I liked your um I liked your uh tavern. Now granted, yeah, we started in well we didn't start in a tavern, but we ended up in a tavern with the dwarves bringing out the it was a celebration of this keg of mead, beer, dwarven ale that they've been making for the last year and this is a celebration on it and everybody just wakes up in their hotel room the next morning going, what the fuck just happened? You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> just, that, that was that's the thing. Yeah. That's what Tony meant by turning tropes on their head because it's usually you start at a tavern, you're sitting there, and then someone comes and say, hey, I got a job for you, and then you go off and that's it. But instead, while the whole session, while most of the session was spent at the tavern, it wasn't about just drinking and being given a mission. It was it was part of the plot the tavern and their pe- patrons were part of the plot yeah. so. and interweaving that that together so that when they do wake up with the hangover the next morning and what the hell happened why am i blacked out <laughs> yep. they had such a memorable night the night before nothing honestly could have gone wrong i mean everything was honestly, fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything just fine the next day <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, we we kind of dipped into it, but play test, play test, play test. I've got that down here. Um, mm-hmm. I every adventure that I run for a convention or a uh, one shot, I will play test with my grognard group. They've been great over the years of helping me with that. Um, mm-hmm. When I tell them, "Hey, I got a, I got a, con- I got a." convention coming up i need to play test this and i'll usually get two to three volunteers from them and 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 then kind of coerce one or two more so <laughs> i can get them to 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 sit through it and then they will give these are people that i've played with for years and they give me trusted feedback when you do play test make sure you have someone on the other end of the play test that can give you trusted feedback yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Destructive. yeah yeah, well, even if it's too. even if it's not constructive, even if they say it's absolute shite, dude, go back to the drawing board. <laughs> it's got to be somebody you trust. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, but, I don't uh, much to add to that to the play test. Just if you have time, I mean, or actually make the time, so it'll make it better, and you're not um, you're not wasting the player's time. At the convention or even at the at the local gaming store, you know, when I spend some time out of my life to go to the convention or go to a, a gaming store, those four hours, three, four hours, I want to remember it. I want it to make it, I want it to be worth my time to go there. And, you know, as a GM, DM, I will want to make it worth their time going there too, you know, so. And that's where that. we get into this last part is what do you, you know. We all have played Theater of the Mind games. We all Mm -hmm. love playing Theater of the Mind as well as using miniatures and maps. But for a convention game or the one shot at your your FLGS, you want players to take pictures at the table and share them on social media. The way that is Mm -hmm. going to happen is if you have presentation, handouts, cool-looking pre-gen characters, uh, maps, minis, Pre-built terrain, uh, 
that terrain you had for your wise guys at Con on the Cob, Eric, oh my god, that how many months did you put into that? Uh, about six months, because I had to teach myself how to do that. I never built wow. terrain, so it was me learning on the fly, watching YouTube videos and, uh, you know, scrapping stuff because it didn't work out. Some of them I had to redo like three or four times and then painting all the minis. I had what I painted about 20 minis for that. So it was Dude, a lot was- of it was crazy, but it was visually just anyone walking by went, oh, my. There were people just mm-hmm. walking by taking pictures of your clouds with the the, the, smoke, the smoke markers. Yeah. The smoke markers. Those were beautiful. Okay. There were there were just random passers by. I noticed, I mean, players at my table, because I was running my uh, Age of the Age of Rebellion right next to it. Yep. And I had players at my table that were wanting to get up and go check out your table. While you're running that, and I'm running Sorry. just as, just as visually appealing a game over on my side, but it yeah, was just did. there was just something beautiful about the work that you'd put together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and but, but you don't have to to go that that far, really. No, you don't. You don't have I mean, to. that's like the high end there. That's the the you know that you went to the Carl Kiesler bar, as I call it. <laughs> you know, you well, it was it was there. it was a personal challenge, and it was also part of the promo for for my game. But I mean, I, I look at what at what you do, Tony, and I mean, you got so your gear is awesome. All the all the stuff you got, you got something for everything. You got your neoprene mats, and you got you got your minis, and you got your toys, and all that stuff, and. I mean, that takes years probably to collect all that stuff, but uh, a lot of money. But everybody's got that stuff. And, you know, it doesn't take much. Right. You, but to, to have a centerpiece that you can put at the table that the players can gather around, because as we mentioned, you're going to end up with people that don't know each other. But to have something to look at, it sort of creates this kind of bonfire um event or phenomenon that where people gather and then they'll point to something on the table hey look at that and then they'll start a conversation it's a bonding moment so yeah i mean theater of the mind is great but for a con game you kind of have to step it up a little bit make an effort it's gonna be worth it yeah yeah i mean a lot of people in this hobby most of the ones that I run across that are players are introverts and you got to draw them out of themselves with an Mm -hmm. introvert. You've got to give them something to engage with besides another human being, give them an environment to interact with and you'll see them start to shine each individual at the table. And that's it. You're, you're, you're pulling them to that centerpiece um, visually and drawing them in. And in, in, to put this in a Genesis light, when you have printed maps and, um, things like that you don't need grids that that's all handled in narrative range bands you don't need anything fancy like that heck a picture of a uh, from above of you know a trailer park is just as good as um you know building three dimensional yeah <laughs> three dimensional buildings mm-hmm. as long as you have you know this this top down view mm-hmm. and then when players try to interact with that environment encourage it allow the use of triumphs and advantage and threats and despairs to dictate things in the environment. Right. There was one game that I ran that I ran uh, Savage Worlds uh, one shot that I ran at one of my uh, local game stores. 
and uh, I ran uh, Alien versus Predators in Jurassic Park. Nice. And I had little elements that could be added when a character would, uh, when they would roll, uh, you know, they would botch. When there was botch, I would throw in complications when there was a botch. And I had, you know, little, like, because when you're on a dinosaur island, there's there's herds of dinosaurs moving through. So I had little herds really? of dinosaurs that would move through the area when you're, you know, you're fighting the freaking raptors. And all of a sudden, here come all these uh Gallimimus just running through the area it creates a complication and it's and I had little minis for all these little freaking dinosaurs that would come <laughs> running through the area I had them ready to go hey it's amazing what you can find at the dollar store yes Hell, all the all the dungeons and dragons um a lot of the dungeons and dragons um monsters were created with gygax and them just grabbing grabbing those friggin' plastic you know insects that you'd get at like the the story you know the rust monster was one of them yeah so yeah man one one thing one thing that i have on here for your so the maps are great what i what i like is cheat sheets for the players for inexperienced players now somebody brought something for the gen your genesis game there's like a bookmark that had the that had the the cancel it, the dice on either side of the bookmark, right? Very intuitive. Yeah, that was great. That looked great. Who yeah. brought that? I don't know who brought that. Uh, Stefan and Daryl brought those. Uh, they awesome. found them on the internet. Uh, found them on the FFG forums. Someone made them there. They're they're available there. Um, oh, sweet. But, I feel um, another fifty pieces of awesome coming in somebody's future. <laughs> yeah, feel... for a one-shot game, having that tiny little bookmark was perfect because uh, then I could just mm-hmm. put that in front of the new players, like Harrison and and um, oh. Jay Raz's nephew and uh, Matt Raz, mm-hmm. and put them in front of those players and say, "Here, just this is what you need to go by when you're." Mm-hmm. And, well, that and... that was like the kicker for Harrison. He's like, "I looked at this, went through it, made a roll on my own. You were forcing him to make his create his own die pool, and he's like, then he got it." He's like, oh, okay, that's very intuitive. So things like that, and you can even you can even put little cheat sheets on your on your um, on your pre-gen page too. You don't have to have a separate sheet for it if you could fit it. You know those kinds of things. And I'm sure there are um, cheat sheets for other games that you can come together. Well, the Star Wars ones yeah. have them, right? The, yep. the sidebars yeah. on the character sheets. So. Yep. Yep. Some of on my yeah on my Star Wars uh, sheets that uh, Chris created for me, we put them around the border. Um, yeah. cheat sheets. Uh, there is also, if you're going to be running, whether it's Genesis or um, whether you're running Star Wars, there's a playmat that you can buy from FFG. It's a neoprene playmat. Uh, it has a spot for uh, the GM's story pool and uh, or destiny pool, and it has a spot for you to put out uh, for initiative, so keep track of initiative on it. And then on the bottom and around the edges, it has the uh, dice symbols and how they cancel, um, yep. and all of the kind of the, I think also printed on it. It has what you can do in a turn. I think uh, so. Yeah. So it's a very handy resource to have sitting at your table if you're going to be running something like that. Whether you've done it yourself or whether you find something on the internet or buy something from the the the, the creator of the game, right. have a cheat sheet available for your players. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, going back to the the pregens too, because that's that's one uh, advantage 
Well, I don't know about Genesis, but probably I think I saw some sheets there, but that might have been sheets that you guys made. But I know that the, the Star Wars one, I mean, I don't think you can find better looking pregens out there uh, on the Internet or wherever for RPG pregens. I mean, this is top notch quality. You look at that and you're like, I want to play this. So thanks, man. Yeah. If, if you have those, well, the ones that you guys make and then the ones that Fantasy Flight makes, I mean, <laughs> you, half your job is done just, just by looking at those because people want to play them. And also now you can build your adventure around them. And if you don't have the skills like you guys have to make these sheets, just use the ones that are already out there and build your adventure around it because that prop is going to do half your work basically your character yeah. sheet and that's that's a thing is, is the next thing i wanted to go over here is make enough of your pregens if you're going to run it for one shot make make give away the pregens when you're done the players a lot of players will want to keep those that's memorable they'll that'll draw them back into playing that game again they'll take that pregen back home to their game group and they're going to you know hey look i played this game and this is you know this is how it runs and you do this, you build your dice pool with these die, you know, uh, yep. or whether Savage Worlds, look, your your stats are all right here. Your dice are your dice are your stats. Oh wow, this is amazing. I mean mm-hmm. whether yeah. if you're trying to showcase the game, have those available to give out, whether it's yeah. that or whether it's, you know, like Stefan giving away the toy Cadillacs at the end or or you know, have if you're going to run a, like a Deadlands game, you know, have poker chips that you can give away at the end of the game, things like that. Those are going to make your game memorable. People are going to want to come back to your table the next time. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm just a cheap bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought about it, but uh, yeah, it just, uh, just, just ink. Ink is expensive, so. It is. Maybe I shouldn't have made them all uh, laminated and all that, and just have them on the cheap because <laughs> cardboard laminated. And I'm like, no, I'm not giving those away. <laughs> I'm running it again. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, for uh, I know maybe not for Genesis, but for Savage Worlds, you got the wild dice that you can mm-hmm. that you can give away that type of thing. I mean, maybe if you guys one day want to make your your custom dice and you know, well, I did think about doing. I did think about doing uh, custom D10s, uh, a set of custom D10s, one with our logo on for the ten, and the other one with the Nerds International logo on it for doing percentile dice for the. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, for crits, so yeah, yeah, because you need those. That's, for that's that something game. I've thought about personally, but I hadn't brought to Chris yet. So hey, spring it on you, buddy. Dude, Think that about sounds it. like a great idea, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> and and something else too. I mean, uh, I know not every GM used them, and they're not really all that necessary. But uh, GM screens, even if you don't use them to roll behind the screens. Uh, the screen what it does is it becomes like a panel that you people walking by are going to see what game you're running like if if you get you put nice wallpapers and you know it's star wars or terranoth or whatever people know so to speak yeah yeah that's what you're running they don't even have to ask you and you know 
photographic memory they're they're gonna see it see that so it, you know eye candy basically That's a very good point very good point and with those gm screens if you need to track initiative you can use you know index cards or something like that and put on the kind of along the top and that's a intuitive way to do initiative that's what i do sometimes you can use a clip too like harrison did and he had his handouts the while you would show pictures of what we see and you can do that from the internet too from whatever hey this is the the jungle you guys are in you put Put it on the other side of your screen. You clip it on there. See it? Yeah. Yep. They look at it. So there's lots you can do with a screen, even if you don't use it to roll behind it. You know. Yeah. Great idea. I usually just lay mine flat to keep it the the crit table out where I can see it. Yeah. Me, I use it to uh, like for that uh, wise guys game that I ran. All my notes were inside my screen, so I didn't have to. Because you put stuff on the table, and then sooner or later, you got your beer on top of it. You got your dice. You got your pen. You got your dice bag. The whole place gets cluttered, and then you're trying to dig that stuff out of there. So now. My notes are on the inside of my screen. I just have to go, well, IGM standing up like Tony, but I just have to lean, o- lean over a little bit, look at my notes. Okay, that's where we're at, and let's move on. But being, uh, yeah, and that's another thing is as a GM, you know, IGM standing up, I do that for one reason uh, because it forces the players to look at me um, by standing up. As much up as the we table. don't want to, good luck. I know, but I, when, I, <laughs> when I'm dealing with a table of eight players, particularly, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I GM larger groups a lot more. Uh, it's just something I've always, I've always done larger groups. When I did D&D, I did groups of eight to ten players. I still wow. do with uh, Star Wars groups of eight to ten players. Um, mm-hmm. Standing up when you have a larger group draws the attention to you more you can also engage with each individual a little easier if yeah. you got to walk around the table to go talk to them you don't have to oh i got to get up i got to move all my toys plus that gives you another spot to place things my chair now becomes a spot where i can put things mm-hmm. <laughs> cuz yeah, always- chris is chris is laid back chris <laughs> stays on his chair and Drinks his beer and rolls the dice, but yeah, it, it all depends on your personality. Chris has a, a voice that project quite a bit. Uh, I don't, so that's why I stand up. Be, and also, I become a lot more animated if I'm standing up. Uh, I can move around if I'm just sitting down on a chair. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of subconscious, but your voice sort of starts to trail off and then people can't hear you across the table and uh yeah i I just feel it's a more engaging experience that's that's why i do it quite a bit like tony basically except i don't put my my hands behind my back military style i just uh i just move them a lot more that's just a natural (laughs) habit period (laughs) every picture you see tony gming he's just standing like he's about to salute someone or some hands behind his back (laughs) or he's flexing with a or he's flexing with like a wampa hat on <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm running that game, and then I know Harrison and I were doing a, a little bit of LARPing, but at some yeah, point I see Kiss just Tony, 
Yeah, Tony was just running around the table with his wampa hat, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on over here? <laughs> I was getting Matt Stark back for last year when he when he did that to me, where he just kind of got up oh, in yeah. my face. <laughs> so uh-huh. I put the wampa hat on and charged him. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That was awesome. Uh, uh, anyhow, though, folks, yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, that's pretty much running a con game as best as we know it. We're not experts. We're not the best at it. I'm sure there are people yeah. out there that are way better than we are. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, my first experience with it was uh, a few years back. I ran something at a local convention that we have here called um, Marmalade Dog. It's run at a local uh, uh, college, and it's cool. tiny, tiny, you know, maybe 100 people convention it's not huge but that was my first experience with it and then i started running things in game stores started getting a little better at it and then came to con on the cob with you guys and you guys have seen where you know i've grown from where i started out at which was not doing very well at all um but you guys kind of got to see the polished product that i you you need practice it's it's a different ball game than campaigns it's different pacing well, yeah. what I would add last to that is uh, trim the fat or cut the crap for your game. You don't need a scene where uh, P- uh, the players go around for an hour looking for information to get to the next scene. Unless there's something interesting that's going to happen during that scene. Just give him the information. Have him move on. Uh, don't start with a lame hook like a guy that's going to pay you to do something and then he's going to say, do you want to do it? Well, of course they're going to want to do it. They sat there at your table to play the game. Just drip that shit. It doesn't need to be in your game. They want to play the game. That's why they're there. Right. Tell them. Tell them. Don't ask them. Tell them right. why they're doing what they're doing. That's it. That's Put them on the rails is okay <laughs> in a con game. It really is. It, they'll just have fun yeah. in other ways. It's all right. It yeah. really is. Memorable yeah, NPCs. Show. We didn't really cover that much, but and memorable NPCs. If you're going to have, um, you know, you can, not everybody can do voices for their NPCs, but have some sort of every mem- NPC that they interact with. If they're going to have an interpersonal interaction with them, give that NPC a quirk. Of some yeah. kind. Whatever it might be. Uh, something yeah. that makes them mem- memorable. They stutter, or they they <laughs> they wear a goofy hat, or they have a, a little child running around their legs that just is always constantly distracting them, or something. You know. Yep. Yeah. That one trick for that is just uh, grab inspiration from someone you know in your life, or a celebrity, a character, or favorite character on a TV show. I mean, it's going to, sure, it's not going to be all that original. If it's character from a TV show, you want Peter Griffin to be in your game. Uh, no, it's not original, but people are going to still going to have fun with it, especially if you can do a good impression. Go ahead. Yeah. If I guarantee if your players are going along and you're playing in a wise guys game and all of a sudden they take a cab and there's the scene in a cab where they're going to get run off the road by some other gang. And you have the cab driver being Peter Griffin, that'd be damn funny. Yeah. <laughs> even even in fantasy, why not? You know, in fantasy there's the, the coach driver or the, yeah. the keep is Peter Griffin. That, that's gonna be memorable right there. And yeah. 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 I think um one I, thing the the last thing that I have to to add and I'll it's just restating what, what Tony had mentioned before, um was uh 
don't open the books. Know the rules of your game. Keep it flowing. That's really yeah. it, you know, and have that have and just let them know at the very beginning that this is the way I'm going to run it. We're going to lean to the side of having fun and just trust me, it's going to be fun. I'm going to lean towards, you know, you guys having fun, not to screw you over or anything like that, you know. So Com- confidence is a big thing for a con game. You, yeah. Even if you don't know what you're doing or you, you don't feel like you know what do what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, conduct yourself as if you do. It's going to make the, the big <laughs> There you go. Fake it till well you make said. it. Oh, well said. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, I think we've I think we've put this horse to bed. What do you think? Yep. Yeah, and my the head might just be in our bed with us, right? Oh. Yeah. Oh. See what I did there? Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, man. Uh, You did a thing, eh? Yeah, I did a thing, you (laughs) moolie. That's right. All right, we're going on to the next section here. We're going to go set the tone or what? Well, I don't know. Let's see. All right. Welcome to Advantageous Threats. Yes, folks, we skipped setting the tone because, well, in our Advantageous Threats, we're kind of setting the tone for kind of a mobsters-type game. So um, what I've got here is I'm GMing a 1990s mob-style game, and my NPC is Consigliere, Tony Two Times Scaramucci. (laughs) Now, why is he called Tony Two Times? Because there was a guy that said his name three times in succession one time, and he cut his fucking balls off, okay? (laughs) So that's why they call him Tony two times, because you don't say his name more than two times. All right, so he's visiting the player's bar slash hangout, and he's initiated a social combat with them and won the initiative. Tony two times is starting off, ordering the leader NPC or leader player character, whoever that may be mm-hmm. to hide his son, Vincenzo, who is wanted for murder in one of the party's houses. So in this, I have set it, set the kind of set the scene. Uh, this is a social combat. Either my NPC is going to wear down the players strain to zero or the players are going to wear down or half or the players are going to wear his down to zero or half via a series of checks back and forth social checks using um leadership negotiation coercion charm cool all of the 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 wheelhouse of the social in, uh intercourse Ooh. <laughs> oh <my. laughs> um, but anyhow it's so not uh, very ergonomic there <laughs> <laughs> Right, like that keyboard you got, the ergonomic yeah, keyboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, anyhow, Tony two times here has a presence of three and a leadership of three. So mm-hmm. he's going to start the start the uh, game with a three yellow pool mm-hmm. uh, versus the lead player. Uh, we have not named yet. Actually, the lead player. We kind of have because I'm actually going to be playing the leader. In mine, after this. Okay. So that is, uh, yeah, you've kind of named him, but for now I'll leave him unnamed. I'll let you name him when it comes to your sure. segment. Yeah. Man. Uh, so anyhow, his uh, that player's um, 
willpower and discipline is what I'm opposed on here. Yep. And so the player's willpower is three, yep. which is a dice pool of three with a discipline of one, making one of those red. Yep. And then also that player has the clever retort talent, mm-hmm. which is going to generate two automatic threats. So I just take two of my setback dice and set them aside with a threat showing on each That's one. Right. And, this, and this leader, I'll tell you his name. This leader's name is Chris Candy Cane Mercurio. They yeah. call him Candy Cane because he, uh, he's always sucking on a candy cane. And, uh, you know, he kind of sucks it down to a shiv. And, you know, you fuck with him, he's going he's gonna to shiv you with the damn candy cane. it's close to christmas i figured i was inspired i like it it. right so in this case um i'm gonna say since uh since tony two times has a couple of his muscle with him i'm gonna give him a boost die now as players do you do you have anything you'd like to add well um the fact that this guy we're going to be hiding somebody who was wanted for murder. Uh-huh. It's going to get her back up a little bit. And you are in our hangout, so that might be as worth a setback die. In your own home? Yeah, sure. In our own in home, own probably hangout. setback die. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I'm going to go ahead and flip one of the GM story points. Okay. It says, and uh, upgrade also. Yeah. Because I kind of want to start this off as putting you guys back on your heels. So. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to. I want to flip a story point because this guy's wanted for murder, and there could be hilarity ensuing after this. All right, so <laughs> let's pull it out. And all first right. of all, I'll take the blanks out of the pool, and I rolled. Got to add my two threat that were sitting off to the side. Yes. So I rolled a grand total of one net of one failure, two threat. So right away, I immediately come off as just this bossy asshole who, who's – he really has no pull over this crew. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to come in and, and show off and uh, order them around because he thinks he can. And right. so that's hmm. the failure. That's, that's the, the threat. Do you have threat or do you have, do you have advantage? Do you have threat. threat. You have two threat? Mm. Oh, he he just lost face there. That guy? Consigliere, you're the leader, probably a captain. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, maybe you want his spot, and you can use that to uh, set him up for uh, for a hit later. You can use that, turn that into um, advantages for, well, bonus dice or whatever uh, for for later on. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. <clears throat> All right, so that would be the first one. So in other words, I didn't even score a hit. Nothing. I got nothing. No, I got nothing. That's right. You don't have nothing. And uh, because he don't have nothing, uh, the candy cane is uh, gonna wanna. He's gonna want something from you. So I think there's probably gonna be a. Yeah, I think. Um, I think my response. See, the thing is, I didn't write down what I was gonna do. I just wanted mm-hmm. to kind of see how you. <laughs> What, what your thing was. So when it's my turn, you know what? I want to make maybe a negotiation check here to try and get something out of this. Yeah, we're going to hide your, we're gonna hide your son. I'm going to want, uh, want, want something in return or whatever. Okay. Uh. All right. So uh, let's set the, uh, set the pool. 
What's your negotiation? Going off at a tirade at times. Okay. My negotiation, I didn't put any points into it. <clears throat> okay, so it's going to be straight presence? Probably. It's got a presence of three. Okay. All right. And then in return, uh, I would say probably don't have any points in negotiation either okay. for the NPC, so it's probably three versus three straight. Three versus three. Okay. So you want a piece of one of his rackets, or maybe you want him to negotiate a deal with another mag guy later, so you can make more yeah. money out yeah. of this. Yeah, that's what we're gonna. Yeah, that's what we'll do here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All so right, we'll so right now your pool for- is three green versus three purple. Now I would say you probably, since you're coming from a position of strength now, from mm-hmm. my from my two threat, throw in a boost die. Okay. And I think um I wanna I really wanna get this guy's um protection racket that he's got down on the down on the south side. So I'm gonna flip a story point. Okay. Make, that, make one of those greens a yellow. Thanks thanks, Eric. <laughs> For that All right. well I I still have my two muscle guys here. Okay. They both have a bad reputation for being uh, uh, short, short-tempered. So go ahead and throw in a setback die. And a setback die. All right. And um, and because this is an adversary, ooh, uh, this guy is a consigliere. Mm-hmm. He is adversary two. We're gonna go ahead and upgrade your check twice. Well because done. Because you can add the adversary talent into social combats. Well done. I like that. And uh, that I will not be adjusting the pool any further. You may roll. Okay. I think you're going to get whacked. I might have to get whacked. We'll see. Negotiating for some more territory. Holy failures, Batman. <laughs> Sounds like a theme. <laughs> there is a failure. Yeah. Okay. So I got three failures, but two advantage. Oh, nice. Here. So, um... Yeah, so I probably don't don't succeed on um, negotiating that. Uh, what do you call it? Turning over like some of his his space. His no, but you right notice there. one of. So I would say with the with the the two advantage. What do you want to notice a detail of some kind or something? What do you want to do? You want to pass that into the next? Oh, you role? know what? I'm thinking. I'm thinking that uh, Candy Cane. Um, Spend some time with one of these guys with this one of this guy's muscle. He's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, we spent some time there. I know what you did in there. You are. and he just and I just he just kind of goes off goes on to maybe an interlude. Okay, and um talks about just how this one of those bodyguards is just just rolled over in prison on somebody became somebody's bitch or something. So you so, negate. Tony's boost die from having his muscle there. Now the muscle no longer adds strength to his argument. I think argument. so. I think so. Yeah. With I a like couple it. advantage for the next player or whatever coming up. Nice. I like it. All right. So then we go back and forth with an interchange of yep. uh, uh, social <laughs> failing uh, to not arguments. Doing any, failing to not do any strain to anybody either. <laughs> Until either this devolves into a firefight. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been that you had dirt on the consigliere that he was hiding money, some of the kick-up money from. There you go. From his rackets to the boss, and then uh, you're gonna, you know, threaten him that you, you were gonna bring this up if he doesn't back off. Yeah. There you go. That's cool too. Yep. There's all kinds of different ways you could use that. Mm-hmm. 
Again, uh, we would go back and forth with a social combat until one of us capitulated. Probably would set this because we're probably equally matched. Um, mm-hmm. We'd probably set this till, till one of us gets half strain <laughs> as a GM. That's usually the rule. Yeah. Somebody's not willing to work with you until they hit half strain. Yeah. Um, and as a as a as a player, you kind of kind of be ready to when the GM hits you gets you to half strain. You got to kind of okay, we're going to give in a little bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You you got to play dirty because in the mob, I mean, the, the hierarchy is really strong. Uh, Consigliere is basically the third in command after the boss. Okay. Uh, so they, you know, they usually when they tell someone below them to do something. You better do it, like uh, or else. Yeah, like a capo. Uh, usually, it would be the underboss that would say something, but the consigliere can can as well. But that's when you're, you know, you you're walking the line there. Uh, <laughs> when he's going outside, basically, he's going outside of his organization, going to somebody else's guys, asking them for a favor, and that's why he's. He, while he does come from that position of strength as the third in command of the. Yeah. Uh, of that particular mob, he might might not necessarily have strength with this crew mm-hmm. completely. You know, he doesn't have complete control over the situation, so it has to be a little bit of give and take back and forth. Yeah, yeah. before, yeah. Right. before someone gives game. It. It's yeah. a game too, so there there's some things from reality that you have to kind of push aside for a game. Then that's what makes it fun too. So, yeah, absolutely. And you can read up on uh, on a lot of this stuff, how the mob is organized and stuff, in the Wise Guys demo kit, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. In there, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> and eventually, yeah. in the setting book that Eric is writing, that will be kickstarted yeah. sometime next year. Yeah, hopefully uh, early next year with uh, great uh, great artwork. Well, that's what we're doing it to have to get more artwork, and uh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be packed full of good stuff there. A lot of research went into this. Nice. <laughs> All right. So, did you have anything else you want to do, Eric? Did you want to do an advantageous threat of your own? Or are you good? No, I'm good with what you guys got and playing the peanut gallery here and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's what most of our guests like to do. They just like to throw shit in. <laughs> exactly. It's fun. All right. It's all fun. All right, man. So, are we ready to wrap up this thing? Yeah, let's go home. Okay. everybody, that's our show, The Con Job, with uh, Eric No Sleeves Lemery. I want to give a shout out to his podcast, The Wild Eye Podcast, that's uh, dedicated to pinnacle entertainment groups of Savage Worlds, where you guys discuss, I don't know, everything gaming related to Savage Worlds. You, Gary, and Harrison. (laughs) Pretty yeah, much. sometimes, sometimes not about Savage Worlds, just about <laughs> a bunch of stuff that happens in our lives, especially with Gary. But yeah, we've been going on uh, for three years now. Uh, three years? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, over a hundred episodes, still going strong. And uh, well, now the the PDF for the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition just came out. So we started uh, releasing episodes about that. We started playing it, and we're taking it on the angle of not just reading the book and saying, hey, this is what's going on. We're going off of what we played 
how we experienced it and what we think about it and what we don't like and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We cool. uh, we just played again this weekend, so we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about how uh, Gary Gary's character and I and my character ended up dead uh, two sessions into a campaign. So, uh, <laughs> Holy crap. Well, they yeah. call it Savage Worlds for nothing, right? <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's pretty lethal now, so yeah. Oh, wow. Was that one of the big things? The lethality of it has been cranked up to 11? Well, it looks that way. I mean, you read it and it looks like the power level for the players just went up, but you keep reading it and then the power level for the monster just went up because now they have more wounds. The bigger they are, the more wounds they have. Okay. And, and, and hey, that's something that... I used to do with regular Savage Worlds. <laughs> Did you? There you go. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That, that's one thing. You play that game and you realize, hey – that's that's that was a house rule when I play, you know, now it's part of the actual game. So but yeah, you put all that together and it seems like it's just it's just a spinal tap effect of turning it up to 11 and then you, things just go even more crazy. So we're, we're learning the game together now and having a lot of fun, a lot of humor, just like with you guys when you get Harrison doing jingles and cracking oh. jokes and <laughs> Gary and me playing the straight straight man because every good comedy team needs a straight man and really? who's our straight man it falls on Tony that, I don't know I don't know if there's one we'll get, no. we'll get, we'll get Stefan in here to be our straight man right well, it's, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a it's a it's well it's the difference between a three man dichotomy versus a two man you know we're just kind of Laurel and Hardy you know mm-hmm. <laughs> There is that. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so if you're any bit curious about it, just uh, just mm-hmm. find us on while well, we're everywhere. iTunes, uh, Podbean, uh, yep. Google Play, Pornhub, we're everywhere. <laughs> nice. Pornhub. <laughs> yeah, uh, your email is uh, thewilddiagmail.com, right? If they want to email you. That's right. So we yep. can send you pictures to put on your Pornhub account or whatever, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Richard picks. Richard picks. That's Richard right. pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Johnson selfies. Yeah, I hear you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have a. Uh, so you guys did your own review of At Con on the Cob, um, and yeah. then one of your bonus episodes. I do have the recent your recent episode being the superheroes and villains one, but you released one since I wrote these show notes. So, what you got going on? What you have done recently? Yeah, that's the one I was just talking about. The one with uh, the new edition. That oh, that was our right, first. Right. That was our first spin from two games that we played: uh, a Rippers game and then the Wise Guys game. I ran on Jamie's show, uh, oh. the RPG Brewery. So we talked about what happened there. The new chase rules uh, that are quite different, and uh, yeah, the overall impressions. <laughs> the look of the book and all that but yeah superheroes and con on the cob just like you guys we recorded that episode at con on the cob like up in in their room for 30 minutes just yeah that was fun cool yeah all, all right. right so you can find them over at me we with the rest of us nerds international folks you can find me and chris um there you can get a hold of us at finding the narrative podcast at gmail.com Mm-hmm. You can um, you can get a hold of us on get a hold of me on Facebook, and I'll get it back to Chris. And uh, 
yeah, we're all on MeWe. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us, tell your friends where to find us: Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, and now Google Play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Eric, thanks for coming on the show, man. Well, thanks for having me. It was a great time, guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll have you. We'll have you back on once uh, once uh, Wise Guys drops and whatnot, and yeah, let you know how we've uh, converted it to Genesis. Right, that'd be awesome. Maybe maybe next year I get to play in my own setting and with you guys running it. Maybe maybe Chris will run you a wise guys something at Gen Con or, or at uh, Comic Cop. I already wise have mine guys set. Genesis style. <laughs> you know what? I will. Um, you know what? I will. I will say that right now. I will be running a wise guys Genesis game at Con and the Cop next year. There you go. Now I have a right. challenge. There we yeah, go. Challenge, challenge accepted. Oh, and, I'll yeah. do it. and if you bring your terrain, <laughs> we'll do can I borrow that. <laughs> yeah, can I borrow that that fancy ass terrain? I'll let you borrow my my bone my uh, chicken bone dice. If you want. <laughs> no, just just make me some pancakes in the morning, some waffles. That's yeah, which by the way, I have to I had to throw away the waffle maker. The fucking thing broke. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a it's a damn fire hazard now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the legs broke off of it, so yeah, I could just see us now at burning down the what the days in or whatever that is yeah, next yeah. year. <laughs> All right, All right. So thanks folks. for coming on, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is Tony saying, "Keep rolling them bones." And this is Chris saying, "Remember the rule of cool and just have fun." All night, everybody. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. Finding a Narrative podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on the show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding a Narrative podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.